guys may be seated. Amen. All right, kids, hey, thanks for joining us this morning. And great having the children sing with us this morning. And man, what a great time of worship. And I mean, this would be kind of a manipulative time to talk about our needs in children's ministry. Uh, but anyway, I won't even bring that up this morning. So um, we're going to pick up where we left off. Um, in John chapter 16, okay, so if you have a Bible, follow along with me. In John chapter 16, there's a handout in your bulletin, and I told you guys we're going to celebrate the, the two ordinances uh, that Christ gave us to remember the high cost to God for our freedom and for our relationship with Him. And uh, so that's how we're going to kind of finish this sermon this morning. My, uh, my son, a couple years ago, went to a, 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 there was a youth day down at a local uh, camp down uh, on the south side of Virginia Beach, and they were hanging out down there. He, he was playing around, and um, he got a splinter under his fingernail that went all the way to the base of the fingernail. Now, we have a fantastic youth ministry if your children are not involved, okay? That, that's a joke. Anyway, so yeah, he, and so he got this thing in there, and they were trying to pull it out with tweezers, and the more they pulled at it, the more it broke off until it was way deep down in his fingernail. So my wife took him to the doctor, and the doctor was frank with him. He said, here's the deal. He goes, I can numb it. He said, but the needle to numb it is worse than if I just take, a, take an instrument and lift your fingernail, reach in there, and pull it out, all right? Now, I thought about this for a minute. I thought, you know, I think about all the times I've asked my son to do something. Hey, son, would you do me a favor and turn off the TV and come to dinner. And that becomes a big deal. Like, I'm turning off. Hey, son, listen, I need you to go to bed. I'm not going to bed. The doctor says, I'm going to lift your fingernail and put tweezers in there and pull some out. He goes, okay, go ahead. You know, and so he manned up at that moment and let this doctor raise his fingernail and pull that splinter out. Pretty impressive, isn't it? You know, and he just stood there and took it like a man. I'm proud of him for that because I would have said, just cut the whole thing off. Numb it and cut it off from here down. I don't want none of that, you know. You know, as I think about Jesus Christ and his journey to the cross, probably for me, one of the more impressive things of our Savior's journey is that he was fully aware of what was coming. Just like the doctor made my son fully aware of what we need to do to take this one. Jesus was fully aware of his cost for our freedom. He knew it all along. And in John chapter 16, if you remember, we've been kind of taking this journey, this section of scripture that we don't get in any of the other gospels where it's between the Lord, the Last Supper, which we're going to talk about, we're going to take here today as a church, the Lord's Supper and, and his crucifixion. And he's got this teaching time with his 11 disciples. And in John chapter 16, verse 16, he says this, he says to his disciples, he says, in a little while, you won't see me anymore, uh, but a little while after that, you'll see me again. He's talking about his death, burial, and his resurrection. Some of his disciples asked each other, he said, what does he mean when he says, in a, lot, a little while you won't see me, but then you will see me, and I'm going to the Father. And what does he mean in a little while? We don't understand. I love that our Savior, Jesus Christ, was fully aware that it was coming his way. I'm awed by him. He knew that the payment for our sin was going to be born on him, and he did it anyway. 
He was not afraid of the suffering and the difficulty he was about to face and, and, and for, to, to bring glory to his heavenly father and to bring salvation to the father's chosen. Jesus Christ suffered and died and he was fully aware of what was coming his way. He was not surprised by the difficulty in the journey, which really brings me to the second point, which, you know, what is it that sustained Christ through this process? I mean, if he knew what was coming, what, what was it to sustain Christ through the process? Well, it's, it's kind of the way God works. It's the way that we bring God greatest glory, that suffering always leads to joy. Sadness always leads to joy, and suffering always leads to victory. John chapter 16, verse 19, Jesus goes on to say, Jesus realized they wanted to ask him about it. So he said, are you asking yourselves what I meant? When I said, in a little while, you won't see me, but a little while after that, you'll see me again. I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. It will be like a woman suffering the pains of labor when her child is born. Her anguish gives way to joy. Because she has brought a new baby into the world. You know, this, Jesus is saying, look, the, the, the pathway to glory, the pathway to joy is always the path of suffering. It's always the way that we, we bring God greatest glory. It's one of the little phrases I use frequently that we live our lives to bring God not some glory, but hopefully bring God greatest glory. And it's not uncommon for the path of greatest glory to be the path of most difficulty, yes? Jesus modeled that for us. The psalmist says, there may be pain in the night, but joy is found when? Anybody know that song? In the morning, right? The book of Hebrews reminds us what it was that sustained Jesus Christ. He endured the cross, Hebrews 12, for the what? Anybody know what that verse says? For the what? The joy set before him. What is the joy set before him? Joy is always about seeing the bigger picture of what God is doing. Joy is always understanding that the promises of God are rock solid. And even though we don't always see them immediately, they are coming in his timing. And Jesus modeled for us that suffering is the path to greater things, to bringing God greater glory. And our Savior modeled for that for us. In fact, he uses a great illustration, right? He uses the illustration of childbirth, right? He uses that as an illustration of, and that's a microcosm of life. There's labor, but there's joy at the end of it in the birth of a child. So there are some women in this room that found the joy of children so great that they had two or three, right? They went through labor two or three times. Isn't that amazing? It's a, you know, God didn't give childbearing to men for a reason because we're wimps, right? Like, we'd have one kid, that'd be it, right? But, you know, women are much tougher. And, you know, some of you went through it two or three times, and then there's the Duggar family, right? They just keep going and going because of the joy of childbearing, right? And, um, and I would venture to say that, that most moms would not trade their kids but rather go through labor to have them. And, and, and Jesus uses that as an illustration that joy is always seeing the bigger picture of what God is doing. And Gary, I thought you made a great point. You know, one of the reasons we keep our nose in the Bible on a regular basis is to remind us of the promises of God and the bigger picture of what God is doing. Because in the day-to-day -day grind, yes, it is difficult, but we have to be mindful that joy comes in the morning. He endured the cross for the joy set before him. We are mindful that Revelation tells us in the end the kingdom of God will win. 
And, we, and, and so Jesus says, yes, we're going to go through a difficult time. And by the way, the disciples still don't get it. Even though they say they do, they still don't get it. Check this out in John chapter 16, verse 28. And the reason they don't get it is they're still focused on the here and now. They're still focused on the world as they see it. Yes, I came from the Father. Remember, this is, this is kind of this theme throughout John, that, that the Father and I are one, and, and I, am, I am God revealed in flesh here on earth, and we're united, me and the Father. The whole doctrine of the Trinity is what got Jesus crucified. Yes, I, and the fa- I came from the Father into the world, and now I will leave the world and return to the Father. And disciples said, at last, you're speaking plainly and not figuratively. I can't say that word. Verse 30, now... We understand that you know everything, and there's no need to, question, uh, need to question you. From this, we believe that you came from God. Jesus asked, do you finally believe? I think he's being sarcastic here, actually. Because he says this, he says, but the time is coming, and indeed it is here now when you will be scattered, each one going his own way, leaving me alone, yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. Jesus asked him a question, you finally believe? I think he's being a little bit sarcastic because what's the point he's making? You're still hoping in this world. You're still thinking all the circumstances around you are going to be, bring happiness. They're probably thinking he's going to overthrow the Roman government finally and bring kind of a messianic stability where his kingdom will reign here on earth. And by the way, that day is coming. Jesus made that promise, okay? But it's not yet. We can't, church, be hoping in a world that is passing away. They thought they were ready, but Jesus says, you, you aren't ready and you haven't yet believed. And here's what Jesus says he knew you need to believe. He looks at these disciples in the eyes and says, you need to believe this. Ready? Here's what you need to cling to. Here's what you need to hope in. Here's the hope that I'm giving you. John chapter 16, verse 33. By the way, if you're, if you're memorizing some scripture passages, this would be a great one to put in your memory. Because this is what we hope in. This is what we cling to. John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus says, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in what? Me. Me. By the way, notice where our peace comes, right? How many times do people tell us, you just have peace with yourself? You're not going to have peace with yourself until you're at peace with God in Christ. And your focus is on Jesus Christ. He says, have peace in me. And then he gives us a promise. Ready, church? Here on earth, you will have many good times and many vacations, right? <laughs> Doggone it, I wish he had said that. All right, here, here on earth, you'll have many trials and sorrows, but take hope, right? But take heart because I have what, church? What's Jesus done? Overcome the world. Which, by the way, isn't this a crazy thing to say, knowing what's coming in a couple hours, Right? Jesus Christ has overcome the world because in a few short hours, it's sure going to look the opposite, isn't it? It's going to look like evil has won, the world has won, sin has won, darkness has has prevailed. Why? Because the path of suffering, the path of victory is always the difficult path. It's going to appear like the world has won. What's Jesus talking about here? What's he talking about? He's talking about the resurrection. He says, man, you keep your eyes focused on Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday is coming. In a few short days, the worst that the world has, can offer me is going to be overcome. And by the way, church, what's the worst thing that can happen to you in this life, right? What's the worst thing that can happen to you? Well, one day I could die, right? Well, the worst thing that can happen to you is that your life end, and the Bible says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that lives inside of you. Not even death has final say over the children of God. Isn't that amazing? I've overcome the world. 
take heart, Jesus says, I've overcome the world. And Jesus Christ is, is in the process of restoring all that was lost in the beginning. Everything else in this life, church, is a cheap imitation. I mean, we're, it's subtle, and it creeps into our hearts, and it creeps into our minds, and it creeps into our thinking, and it creeps into our belief system, and suddenly our hearts are longing for things that don't last. And Jesus says, have peace in me. Take heart, because I've overcome the world. This book here, this book of the Bible has a couple key themes in it, all right? It's got a lot of stories. You know, I'm going to spend my life preaching through it, hopefully to you all, okay? But there's a, there's a couple key themes in this book that goes from beginning to end. And one of those key themes is, is in the Garden of Eden. There were two trees, right? There was the tree of the knowledge of what? Good and evil, right? And then there was the second tree. There was the tree of life. And so when man took of the tree that they weren't supposed to, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God was like, I can't let them live eternally in this broken, messy state. That, that would be hell on earth, okay? So he banned them from the tree of life. And the rest of this book, it, it, a lot of the stories, many, many things are told are, are about God returning us to the tree of life. In fact, it pops up again at the end of Revelation, we get this little glimpse of heaven, and we're back to this tree of life where man finds eternal eternity and restoration and hope. And so this morning, I want to be clear about what we're about to do at the Lord's Supper. Because the Old Testament points forward to our hope in Jesus Christ. And the Gospels tells us about our Savior who is mighty to save. Our Savior who kept the law, who kept the rules. He did exactly what the first Adam could not do. The Gospels tell us about a Savior who paid the debt of sin that you could never pay, a debt that you owe, a debt that I owe, but we could never pay. It tells us about a Savior that pays the debt of the first Adam. And Easter Sunday morning in the Gospel reminds us of the victory of our Savior. And it's the beginning of a great victory. And until he returns church, we have a responsibility to tell the story of the Gospel that furthers the message of hope, healing, and restoration of the hurting of all things. We have a responsibility to introduce people to the person and work of Jesus Christ. And I got to tell you something. When I feast my heart on Christ and on his gospel and on the hope that he's coming again and what began on, uh, during his, person, his time here on earth and what, what the, the victory that was won at the cross and the, and the victory that came, uh, that came through the resurrection. When I feast my heart on that, and that's just the beginning of the great victory of our Savior, Jesus Christ. When I feast my heart on that, I want to tell you something. Suddenly, the things of the world grow strangely dim. Suddenly, temptation loses its hold on my heart, and suddenly, worry is almost gone. And so, this morning, church, what we're going to do is we're going to celebrate the gospel of Christ by taking these elements. We call these ordinances because God uses ordinary things to remind us of the extraordinary work of the gospel of Christ. He uses water to remind us that you know, just as Christ was dead, buried, and rose again, so we've been washed clean to live a new life. Christ. He uses things like bread and the fruit of the vine to remind us of the broken body and the blood of Christ that sets us free. He paid a debt he didn't know. He rose from the grave that we might have life. In fact, the Apostle Paul, at the end of his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 on the Lord's Supper, verse 26 says this. He says, every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, 
you're announcing the Lord's death until he does what, church? Until he does what? Until he comes again. That's hope. That's future thinking. That's joy. That's where our focus could be. He's coming again, and all that was broken will be restored. It's what Jesus said in John 16. You can take heart because I've overcome the world. And so this morning at Coastal, as we take the Lord's Supper, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, let me, let me give you a couple things. First of all, you don't have to be a member of Coastal Community Church to take these elements. We just ask that you're a follower of Jesus Christ. So as you take these elements, you're kind of you're the, uh, the, the message this morning. You're declaring. We're watching you. You can come forward and take the elements and, and declare that you're a Christian. Second of all, uh, if you're not a Christian, do me a favor and just kind of hang tight, okay? There's going to be people getting up, sitting down. It won't be embarrassing. Just hang tight. Wait till we're done and just take a few minutes, okay? Uh, the second thing is, uh, if you're here this morning, before you take the elements, I would encourage you to take a few quiet moments. Set your heart and your affections on the things of Christ, on the gospel of Christ. Uh, uh, inspect your heart. Make sure there's no habitual sin. And if there is, repent of it. Say, God, today I'm driving the stake in the ground. Repent of that. I want to live for Christ and finally, uh, we don't pass the elements at Coastal Community Church. So if you've never done this with us before, okay, we have uh, four stations, I believe. We've got two here in the front and two in the back, okay? And so when your heart's ready, when, uh, when you feel like, man, I'm ready to, uh, to be the sermon and go, and go take the elements, uh, we encourage you to get up and take them yourselves. You can come with your family. You can go with your small group. You can come by yourself. You can go with some friends, however you want to do that. But you come and take these elements this morning, and we celebrate together. And as we take these elements... You're the visual reminder of the gospel of Christ who is in the process of restoring all that is broken because he told his disciples in John 16, he said, if you're going to believe, believe this. I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me because here on earth you'll have many trials and many sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Let's celebrate Christ this morning. I'm going to pray when I'm done praying and you're ready. You come. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending us your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the high cost of freedom. Not to me, but to you, oh God, and to your son. As we take these elements, God, we take these elements in hope and in trust and in faith, longing for the day when our faith becomes sight. And we're mindful that we take these elements announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. And we take heart, God. Because of the cross, you have overcome the world. We give you praise. We give you thanksgiving. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. When you're ready, you come.
taken the Lord's Supper and you would like to, okay? The, I would just encourage you to go to the two stations in the back, and I'm not certainly not rushing you. Uh, if you're still doing business with the Lord, that's fantastic. Um, I am going to transition us, however. Uh, a couple things I want to remind you of. Um, you know, whenever someone stands in front of us and makes a, a public profession of faith, like, that's a big deal. Uh, it's not easy to do. It's nerve-wracking, and... Uh, I often, actually, we remind these guys, we always, before we do a baptism, we always meet with people and try to make sure they understand what they're doing, and uh, one of the things we talk about is, is in other countries, people give their lives to give a testimony of Christ, and uh, yeah, so it's a, it's a really big deal, so, so if you would, as church body, would you, um, would you pray for Reed and Elsie and Gary this week, and just ask that God continue to, to grow the great work that he has started in their hearts, okay? Uh, so we just want to surround you all with prayer this week, and so thank you for taking a stand and, and declaring Christ as, as Savior. Second thing we're going to do, we're going to transition to our offering time. Uh, if you're here this morning and you're a guest with us, a little bit of a different service, so thank you for being patient with us, and I do want you to know we're not after your money. Uh, offering is just one of the ways we worship God at Coastal Community Church. Um, your do generous donations do a lot of great things for this ministry, uh, and, and one of them is we have we do a lot of with missions, and so we do have a team in Honduras this week. Uh, so continue to be praying for them. Uh, there's a lot of update, a couple updates. They don't always have internet access, but there's a couple updates on our, our Coastal's Facebook page, so you can follow what God's doing there in and through that team, and, and uh, continue to um, be in prayer for them. So, so if you're guests with us, one thing I love to have from you, we're not after your money, but we'd love to have that tear off the side of the bulletin. If you just fill that out, we want to send you. Thank you, Card, for coming. Uh, if you're here this morning, you have any prayer needs, you came in, your heart is heavy, you'd like to talk to someone and pray with someone, we always have one of our prayer team members right here in the front row. They wear a purple shirt. That's how you know who they are. Okay, so anytime during the offering or after the service, they're here to minister to you uh, as you deem appropriate. Okay, let's, uh, let's pray, uh, and then we're going to close by taking up the offering and go out singing here this morning, okay? So, Heavenly Father, I'll, first of all, I want to thank you uh, that you're active in this world. You're, you're working on people's hearts, and sometimes we forget that in the midst of our busy weeks, and, and I want to thank you for what you've done in Gary's life and in Reed's life and Elsie's life, God, and, and thank you for how their lives intersected with people uh, that call Coastal Community Church their home, people that are Christians and, and want to introduce others to you. And so thank you that they stood this morning and publicly profess Christ as Savior. And God, I pray that you'll protect them this week. Continue to uh, complete the good work that you've started in their hearts, Lord. And uh, Father, we thank you for these ordinary things that remind us of your extraordinary love of the Lord's Supper and baptism, God. Thank you for an opportunity to celebrate them as a church family. Thank you for um, the opportunity to give back, Lord. Um, and we, we, uh, we give to the church as a way to make Jesus famous. I pray that you'll take these donations. God, bless them them, multiply them to lift up Christ in our community, in our state, in our nation, and all around the world. And, uh, and so, God, we worship you now with our opportunity to donate and give back, and it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.
Sound. 